You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com, John Harris from the Texans broadcast crew and catch up with Peter King from the MMQB. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Washington Redskins cornerback Josh Norman. Josh, we appreciate the time. How are you today? I'm doing fine, man. I'm doing good. This is a lot better at the win, that's for sure. (laughs) Certainly. And we want to talk about that thrilling victory in Seattle. And normally we start every conversation talking football, but I want to begin with your foundation because what you're doing is outstanding and the need is so urgent. So tell us about teaming up with the Boys and Girls Club of America to assist kids in Puerto Rico. Why is this cause important to you, and what are the details? Well, it's important for me because of looking at the devastation that you know, was caused by the hurricane over there in Puerto Rico and just seeing all the kids that was you know, struck by that disaster that you know seems as if help wasn't getting there as fast as it should when you know things happen of that nature and I just saw it and you know I've been there and I met people and I just felt you know compassion for them and I felt that it was something that needed to be done my heart goes out to them uh, for sure um, being over there and experiencing you know that type of culture and the love they have for each other and seeing that they'd have nothing almost it was like well shoot if I got this what can I do and can I spare to help someone else out and and that's what I did because you should have compassion to have that in your heart for, for everybody you come across and encounter in your life. And so I had the means to do so, so I did. And it was, um, God put me in a place to do this thing. And, and for me, it was a no-brainer. And Boys and Girls Club was the, the club that I felt that it was, you know, needed to go to at the moment in time um, when I, you know, uh, officially started looking around and seeing the clubs and what can I be most effective in in helping out over in Puerto Rico and and it was the kids and Boys and Girls Club do a great job in, in doing that and helping you know the kids out and, and furthering what they want to be and become when they get older. Josh, appreciate you coming on with us, bro. I know you're busy. I know your time is is really important. Like you said, coming off a great win, you you want to kind of dive into it again and get started for the next run, but. When you see uh, yourself being involved and in, in, in casualties like that happening in other parts of the country where people can't help themselves, but you can do more uh, to help them, um, give me the perspective on the game that you play and sometimes taking it too serious, but yet looking at real life issues in Puerto Rico that puts it in perspective, let you know that we're really just playing a childish game of football. Well, you know, um, I'm be honest. <laughs> when I play the game of football, I'm, I'm not on earth. <laughs> I don't even get it as, you know, the same thing. It was, we two different people. Uh, I'm going to be Josh outside of work, outside those white lines. But in the, in the arena, in the game, inside those white lines, I'm somebody totally different. It's like I'm the dark knight or something. I transform into another person. And, and that's cool in that aspect. But also, you know, outside of that game, outside of what we do and our job and our profession, um, it is you know, helping out other people in life. And, and that's why I feel like my greatest moment or my greatest time of being here on earth is to help other people and, and, and have them, you know, better themselves and 
strive to dream for something much more and greater than themselves. That's the only way I feel he's going to get you know, further in life. And in Star 24, that's where it came from. It was founded in that, and helping kids and helping them further their dreams and their aspirations of life. And I feel if we can touch each other and that point of view and that perspective, man, what a world can have. And not only here in the United States, but everywhere else, in Puerto Rico, Mexico. I mean, if you go outside of the countries and look at the devastation that is being caused, our children have to live through that. And they're the next stages of life. And so if you can impact their life at an early age, man, where can they be when they turn 40, 50, 60, you know, 30, however case may be. And they look back upon that and see, like, man, we didn't really have someone look out for us and care for us. And what can we do for the next person? And that's what it's all about, really. So, Josh Norman is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn to help the children of Puerto Rico. The website is greatfutures.org slash Puerto Rico. Hope everyone listening today will consider making a donation. Well, you alluded to what went down Sunday in Seattle. What did that impressive road win tell you about the toughness of this team winning despite so many injuries? And you've been banged up as well. Yeah, man. Uh, we really have as a team, as a group, just together we just really had a we had a tough one man <laughs> we had a tough roll of the dice you know you had those cars and you playing space and you playing that game and you get a um a couple of threes and fours and you know you may have a seven and then you have a spare and, a, and an ace and maybe a king or a jack but you never have all your full deck of you know a full flush you never have that but guess what what we do, guys, we got fighters. Guys that's going to battle to the end of the day, and no matter what it is, rain, sleet, snow, or shine, they're going to give it their all. And when you have somebody that you play inside that's going to give it your all, man, what can you do? And that's what we showed. You know, we went in, we wounded, bounded with 43 men, but we went out there and we was not going to be denied. We was not coming back home without a victory. I think all the guys is on on deck for that, and now I think we're gonna rest up some guys, and hopefully we can get some guys back this week that was missing. The offensive line, man, they was always the most depleted, and then you had our defensive line and a couple of um, secondary guys, and um, it, it was just pretty bad for us. But I think that we are now starting to get over that hump. We're finally 500, and and halfway mark of this, you know, of the league in eight games. So hopefully these next eight games um, will give us some more life. Um, to look forward to and make this run for the playoffs and, and further and more. When looking at you guys' team, Josh, defensively up front, the front seven for sure, man. Y'all, they're playing some really good football, particularly in the first half. And, and being an offensive player, former offensive player, uh, it's so important to try to get you guys some points on the board to keep you guys' energy high. Uh, but that was a complete game against Seattle. How good of a victory was that going on the road against a Seattle Seahawks team? Uh, that was a good team, uh, but you guys shut them down and, and came away victorious in the end. Man, I can't even begin to describe you how good that felt. Finally, you know, it's like a, a breath of fresh air, a deep breath, like, whew, man, we finally got a break, you know? <laughs> finally got something right. good going for us out of all the turmoil and the injuries that we was plagued with. I know a lot of people are in this league. This has been a year of the injury for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, some have more than others. And it seemed at one point our whole interior defensive line was hurt um, with those two studs, um, 95 and 98. But other guys came in and stepped up in their places, and they've been balling out of control, man. They've been making it personal up front. Um, 
you know, Tom um, Sue and you know giving those guys all they can handle up front and, and coaching them in a way it's supposed to be, man. Violence at the point of attack. And when you have that and have guys on all on the same page with that, man, you saw what kind of defense we really can be. And um, you just got to continue to have that mindset because that front, it moves things for us in the back end. And it just so that the back end moves things for the front to get pressure for guys to get sacks. And we all working hand-to-hand in this thing, and um, we're trying to, you know, do something special here. Josh, you have become a multimedia star because we see you everywhere. Case in point, you and Des Bryant have had some intense moments on and off the field, but that new Samsung commercial is highly entertaining. What was that experience like? Oh, man, just something to do. <laughs> it was just a fun little segment. Um, some creative guys, some minds, open Samsung got together and was like, hey, why don't we just, you know, make something out of this? And, and you know, I think we both agreed upon it. I did. I looked at it and was like, oh, this kind of could be kind of cool in a way. And I looked at it as uh, that type of opportunity. And, you know, hey, next thing happened and kind of made magic out of it. I didn't think it was going to go far as it really did, but it really took off, and, you know, um, people got involved in it. And, and I guess, you know, it, it was what it was, and it was a fun thing to do with Samsung. They, they're they a great company, and um, who knows, man, many more things can come out of it. But um, it, was a, it was a really great, it was a great time in doing that. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate the visit. Best of luck with your foundation's tremendous work to help the kids in Puerto Rico. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise. With Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too, you just flip a switch and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, and up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 wireless headphones too today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's go round the league with Peter King of the MMQB. Now it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, as always, we appreciate the time. I'm based in Southern California, so perhaps I'm guilty of geographic bias, but considering how anemic the offense was a year ago, I think the Rams are the best story in all of football. That said, do you see any major weaknesses on this team currently? I, you know, the only weaknesses I see are probably depth in the secondary. I think you could throw the ball on them, but, you know, you throw the ball on them, but you're going to have to get Aaron Donald. You're going to get have to have to get past Aaron Donald and Connor Barwin and, and Quinn and, and, a, and, a, and a very good front seven. So, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, they're peerless or anything like that, but, I mean, the Rams – yeah, everybody is waiting for the, the the shoe to drop. Everybody's waiting for the team to show some sign of infirmity. Um, I look at this team, and I don't see any major hole compared to every every other team in the league. Almost every other team. Uh, I think they're really good. They're going to be in it till the end. Uh, they're not afraid. I think that's one of the big things. They are not afraid. And I think when you play 
start to play at this level. I mean, you know, they have they they have basically in the last three weeks beaten a good Jacksonville team by double digits, slaughtered Arizona by thirty three, slaughtered the Giants by whatever thirty four, I think, and they did them all uh, at least three time zones away from home. They're I don't know what else to say other than I think they are absolutely totally legitimate. And they're going to be playing football in January, and they are going to be a hard, hard out. When looking at the NFC East, Peter, um, you have to assume that there are three contenders within that division now, considering what we saw from the Washington Redskins against the Seattle Seahawks. We know what Dallas is capable of doing. If they can be consistent, they're going to be a contender winning that division. Philadelphia is just way out front of everyone, I would say, throughout the National Football League when it comes to balance. But how much are you buying the Washington Redskins in that win against the Seattle Seahawks? Well, Cordell, I like them a lot. But the only problem with Washington right now is that, you know, they're three games out in the loss column to Philadelphia. They have lost the tiebreaker to Philadelphia. They pretty much don't have, I think they don't even have, they barely have a prayer to win the division. I mean, quite literally, they're going to have to pick up four games on the Philadelphia Eagles, and I don't see that happening, particularly when you have games at New Orleans, at Dallas, and at the Chargers left. Um, so that's, that's the first thing I'd say. But uh, the second thing I would say is that the, the, the NFC wild card race is going to be really, really interesting because you've got Seattle now with three losses. You've got Carolina with three losses. And you've got Washington with four losses and Dallas with three losses. So I think those are the four major contenders. Uh, and, and, and I forgot. I forgot Detroit. But, uh, you know, you've got, you got basically five contenders now for two wild card spots. Uh, I, I mean, I know this is going to sound – I don't want to go totally overboard with the Rams, but I, I think the Rams are going to win the West. And if that happens, then Seattle's going to be battling for a wild card spot. They're good enough to get there, but they're going to have a lot of company there, too. Peter King, MMQB.com is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, as the Vikings get ready to activate Teddy Bridgewater, how do you think they're going to handle the quarterback situation moving forward this year? And in the offseason, they have some free agent decisions to make. I mean, they, they have the weirdest quarterback situation right now in the NFL, I would say, other than Cleveland. I mean, you know, with Cleveland right now, I have absolutely no idea if any of the quarterbacks on the roster, except for Deshaun Kaiser, are even going to be on their team on March 1st. You know, I don't, I don't even know. But clearly, you know, the Browns are going to be after a quarterback this offseason. But the Vikings, it's so strange because, you know, nobody, nobody envisioned – what is I think everyone thought looking at the Vikings in the off season. I mean, like quite literally everybody. Everybody thought that when you looked at the Vikings this year, you know, either the quarterback down the stretch of this team was either going to be Sam Bradford, um, or you know, depending on what what whatever happened with this team with his injury. And whether he could come back 
I mean, I, I, because I think the one thing that we all have to wonder about long term is Teddy Bridgewater going to be remotely, uh, I mean, is Teddy Bridgewater going to be fine or is he going to be 85% of what he was? And we don't know that right now. But I think as I look at the Vikings right now, they appear to be a team that are gonna that's going to play Teddy Bridgewater, but only when he's a hundred percent. And I think they feel like Case Keenum for the next week or two. Okay, a very tough game. I doubt very sincerely that <laughs> that the Vikings want to put Teddy Bridgewater, make him play against a red hot Washington team in his first game back. So I think you're going to see Keenum at least one week, but Teddy Bridgewater will be the guy at some point, either late November or December. You mentioned red hot. The New Orleans Saints, they go on a six-game win streak, and their defense has only allowed 15 points in those last six games. How good is the New Orleans Saints? You know, Cordell, I think what's so interesting about New Orleans is that, uh, you know, basically they've allowed, you're right, they've allowed 15 points a game here in, the, in this six-game six-game winning streak. And they've always had to get into scoring contests with Drew Brees. Well, now they realize that they don't have to get in a scoring contest to win a game. They can win a game in a lot of different ways. My feeling about them is that they're going to go as far as their young defensive players are going to take them. Marcus Williams, a young safety rookie from Utah, is playing free free safety. Everybody's talking about you know, Marshawn Lattimore, and I, I'd be talking about him, too, because he's a top-five NFL corner, and he's only played one half of one season. So I, I kind of look at this team right now, as weird as, it's, as weird as it sounds, but they have a preeminent pass rusher and defensive end in Cam Jordan. And probably their two most invaluable players after that are rookie defensive backs. You know, first and second round picks, Lattimore and Williams. They this is a this is a really, really good young defense in New Orleans. It's not fluky. And I think they've got a chance to be pretty good. I don't know that they're gonna win multiple playoff games this year, but they're gonna I think they're gonna have a home game in the playoffs and I think they're gonna win at least one. Peter, thanks so much for the information. Enjoy your week and we'll chat with you on Sunday on NFL First and Goal on TuneIn Premium. Thanks very much, guys. Take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown. Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we talk Texans with John Harris, sideline analyst for the Texans Radio Network. John, thanks for taking the time. Bill O'Brien confirming Tom Savage will be the starter again Sunday on the road against the Rams. Do you think internally there was any real consideration given to moving to T.J. Yates this week, even though he just was re-signed by the team. To me, that seems to be rather premature, even though Savage had his issues on Sunday. I think they probably have 
they talked about it for about 30 seconds. And then even TJ has said, I'm, I'm not quite ready to be the starter. You know, he's, he got a concussion settlement from the Bills. You know, he's been away from the game. He hasn't even really been working out. His wife gave birth to a baby 10 weeks premature. So they actually called him. He was in the NICU at the hospital in Atlanta. And his wife was the one that really kind of pushed him along and said, yeah, you need to go do this. You need to go do this. Hey, do I think that TJ could come in in a pinch and they could, during the game, figure things out as they go? Well, I've seen TJ do that before a few times, actually. So I think that could happen. But I think you'll know, take a look at it this week in practice, but I don't think anything will change. I think it'll be Tom. But I do think that there may be a, a, a quicker hook with Tom if things don't get off to a good start and the Rams get up early, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw T.J. Yates at some point in this football game uh, just to see what he's got uh, and to see how he fits with this offense as opposed to the one a couple of years ago when he had to come in at Cincinnati game on Monday night and led the Texans to a huge win uh, against the Bengals on Monday night football two years ago. John, give me, give me your take on this alleged information about uh, Colin Kaepernick being able to come to Houston. How good of a fit – would he be in the system considering how Deshaun Watson actually was playing the game when he was starting? Well, Cordell, I think there are two, two things to look at here. Number one, fit on the field. I think he actually would fit pretty well. I think in, in bringing in Deshaun Watson, I think it really kind of opened the eyes of Bill O'Brien and his offensive staff to what a, a mobile quarterback could do in their system with some tweaks here and there. And that's really what you started to see. And I, I guarantee there's so much more that they wanted to uh, unveil with Deshaun that they're, they're not going to be able to. So on the field, I think it would end up being a, a, a decent marriage just because they've been able to kind of open that box, if you will. And I think for a long time that box was really closed because you had guys that weren't really able to take advantage of being dual threats in that system, and now Bill O'Brien had one, and they were really finding what they could do. Now, the other aspect is, of course, off the field. And, you know, Bob McNair is, uh, you know, a guy that uh, we know what happened a a week ago, and that got out, and that information got out from one of the uh, meetings that the owners had, and it was divisive in the locker room. It was divisive throughout the building. I mean, it it was tough. It was a really tough thing to handle. And I, I just don't know that this area is really ready and able to handle Colin Kaepernick. I, I, just, I just don't know. Now, how much should that play in? How much will it play in? I mean, those are questions way above my pay grade. I would love to see what Colin Kaepernick could do on the field in this offense. I just don't know that this area is really ready for uh, Colin Kaepernick to come in, even though – Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick has done so much good over the last how many ever you know years and months. He's done so much good in his community, and he's been a great teammate along the way. And Chip Kelly spoke very well of him. So I, I think there would just be too many people in this area that I don't think would be able to, to handle that situation and handle it well. So I don't ultimately think he's going to end up here. But I'll tell you, and I think Bill O'Brien probably has thought about this along the way, what he could what he could be in this offense. It could be pretty interesting to see, but I just don't know that we're ever going to see it. Chatting with John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network. Check out their great audio content on the Texans team channel here on TuneIn. John, based on the offensive limitations we saw on Sunday, 
What do you think the best way to try to attack a Rams defense that has only given up 17 points in the last two games would be? Can we lock Aaron Donald in the locker room? Can we at least like start? Can we start there? Because I, I would like to do that um, if we if take that step. But I, I think the biggest thing, and and it, it's interesting because having watched the quarterbacks that I've seen under the O'Brien system, and even Matt Schaub before before uh, you know under Gary Kubiak when Kubiak was here, what I realized watching Deshaun was that everything happens so much faster. Everything is quicker. Every decision is made right now. Even getting out of the huddle, getting up to the ball, everything is done with this certain pace, this tempo. He understands how the game is being played, the speed of the game. And I and it really hit me on Sunday watching Savage operate the offense. It just was sort of at a glacial pace. It's like, come on, guys, pick it up. Let's go. And it's just that's not the way that, that Tom is ultimately wired to move at that particular pace, but he's going to have to. If anything has got to change for this offense, it's got to be the way with which Tom operates everything about the offense, breaking the huddle, getting up to the line, making his reads, mic points, all those things. He's got to do everything faster. I think that the offense got used to the pace that Deshaun was playing with and then Tom plays at a much slower pace, and that was just not something that they obviously were, were ready to, to really play alongside. So they don't have to slow down. Tom's got to pick his pace up. And the only way that they're going to have a shot against the Rams is if Tom takes that level of play up a notch. Decisions are made quicker. The ball gets out of his hands faster. This offensive line is not the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. He doesn't have four or five seconds back there. He's got, to make, he's got to make decisions now and get rid of the ball now. And Wade Phillips is going to bring pressure. He's going to bring five. He's going to bring six. He's going to bring maybe seven. And he's going to force Tom to throw the football immediately. So he's got to figure it out fast and get rid of the ball fast for this offense to have a shot. Considering what the Rams do on their side of the football, um, when it comes to you speaking of pace, you speaking of scoring touchdowns, you speaking of – of just being able to go out and, and just do what they want to do at will, putting up 51 points in their last game, shouldn't they change the philosophy just a little bit? Because Deshaun Watson, excuse me, Deshaun Watson was basically like the sauce on top of the noodles. He covered up all the deficiencies on the offensive line. He covered up the de- deficiencies in the play calling to the point where he made it look extremely easy. I think it's back to the status quo, like it was before Deshaun Watson got there. Where it's the it's the carousel of quarterbacks that are going to actually in, end up coming through there. But shouldn't they start running the football a little bit more to play a little keep away, away from that offense that's capable of scoring 51 points in a game? No, absolutely. And Cordell, let me be clear. I don't think that they should go up tempo and run no huddle and do those kind of things. That's absolutely not what I'd, I'd like for them to do. But I think once the ball is snapped, things have got to happen a lot faster than they have been happening. Now, you hit on a good one, Cordell. They only ran the ball 21 times the other day. Now, some of that was a function of getting behind in the game against the Colts. Some of that was that the Colts' defensive front was doing a pretty decent job of stopping the run. And at the end of the day, you look up, and then Tom threw it sometime in the 40s. I think it was 44 times he threw it. That, that can't happen. This Rams defense, I think, is 24th or 25th against the run. And I know Aaron Donald is there, and he's, a, he's, a, he's going to be tough. But 
I think you absolutely have to run the football against the Rams. You have to do it with Miller. You have to do it with Deontay Foreman. You probably even have to bring Alfred Blue in a mix and become that kind of team that you were last year with Brock Osweiler. And that was rely on the run game, and then your defense is going to have to go out there and do a better job. Now, this defense is not where it was last year. So it's going to have to take not just a step, but two or three steps to match what the Rams are doing. And it's just incredible to see what the Rams have done. One change. Sean McVay takes over as head coach, and the domino effect on that entire organization, bringing in Wade Phillips, McVay turning golf around, bringing Todd Gurley uh, you know, really back to life. I mean, it's just it's reinvigorated that entire franchise, and you know, hopefully the city of L.A. will get behind them at some point, just not on Sunday, of course. But you're absolutely right, Cordell. They have to run the football. There is no doubt. But when the Texans throw it, Tom's got to get it, find his read, and get rid of it. Get it out to Fuller. Get it out to Hopkins. T.J. Fedora with the tight end should be back. Get it out to him and move the sticks. Put together 10, 12 play drives and leave Goff in that offense on the sideline for as long as you can. But when you throw it, it's got to be the pace has got to pick up. If not, it's going to be a long day out in L.A. John, as always, we appreciate the information. Thank you for the visit. Enjoy your time in Southern California, and we'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Absolutely, guys. It's my first trip to L.A., so I'm absolutely stoked about that. No traffic. Don't worry about it, John. It'll just take you 15 minutes to get from point A to point B. <laughs> Thank you, John. Yeah, that's what I've heard, guys. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise. With Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too, you just flip a switch, and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, and up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 wireless headphones 2 today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's spotlight America's team with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey, as always, we appreciate the time. We've talked so much about the Cowboys' offensive line in the past. Is it time to focus now on the defensive front? The guys up front, that front seven, very good on Sunday against the talented Chiefs offense. I absolutely agree with you. You know, for the past couple games, it was always like we had to qualify what they were doing defensively, especially up front. It was like, well, they played well against San Francisco, but it was San Francisco, right? They hadn't won a game. Played well against the Redskins, and it was like, well, you know, they were beat up on their offensive line, so we're going to see against Kansas City. Well, they played awfully well against the number three ranked offensive team in the National Football League uh, in total yards. Uh, that team was averaging 29 and a half points a game. And technically, and I know that was a goofy play at the end of the half, uh, but they really, other than that play, held the Chiefs to 10 points and put a lot of pressure on Alex Smith and stopped the running game. Kareem Hunt came into the game leading the league in rushing, and they held him to 37 yards. So, yeah, I, I think it's time to start talking about these guys, and it's what I wrote uh, you know, yesterday uh, on DallasCowboys.com. I, I, I think it's time to say, you know what, I'm not qualifying anymore. This, this just might be for real. 
When you talk about being for real, uh, yes, you saw Dak Prescott play well, uh, move the ball around well with his feet and being able to throw the football, being elusive as we've seen him do. Ezekiel Elliott just getting warmed up as he goes along. Ezekiel Elliott is not in the mix at some point in time. We have to assume that's on the horizon. How do you think this offense actually works uh, with an Alfred Morris and also a Darren McFadden? You know, I don't know if teams would fear those guys the way they fear Ezekiel Elliott. I think if you were watching closely the uh, the beginning of that game against Kansas City, Kansas City was basically saying, you know what, you're not going to beat us with Ezekiel Elliott. And they stacked the line when the Cowboys went two tight ends uh, with eight guys for sure. And a couple times they went – uh, three tight or two tight and a fullback, and they had nine guys on the line of scrimmage. Well, the Cowboys finally loosened them up with some read option plays, got that Dak on the edge, you know, threw some slant passes to kind of loosen that team up. And then once they loosened it up, it was like, okay, now you're going to get a heavy dose of Zeke. Uh, I, I think with Alfred Morris, uh, Darren McFadden, Rod Smith, I, I don't know that those teams are going to stack the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to say, all right, we're going to back off. We're going to absorb what those guys give me. But by golly, Dak's not going to beat us over the top throwing deep passes. You're going to have to you know, move the ball 80 yards in 12, 14 plays to beat us, but you're not beating us in one. So I think they lose that threat. Uh, and also just Zeke's uh, ability to turn a one-yard gain into a three-yard game, a two-yard game into a five-yard gain, uh, just because of his physical ability. Uh, so I think that's what they lose. Uh, so to score like they've been scoring six games in a row, 28 points at least, uh, I think becomes a harder chore. But I think you saw where they do have enough weapons to spread things around uh, that they might be able to, you know, score in the mid-20s as long as that defense is playing as well as it has in the last three games. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com and the Cowboys team channel here on TuneIn. Mickey, as you know, another hearing in Ezekiel Elliott's legal fight against the suspension is coming up on Thursday. We've discussed this topic frequently. Do you think the uncertainty surrounding his playing status has had any tangible impact on this team so far? None whatsoever. Uh, And I think last week has to be a prime example. He wasn't able to be here uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday found out about 9 o'clock in the morning on Friday that he was going to be able to play in the game, you know, grabbed his backpack, was here by 9.30, got in the meetings, practiced, went into more meetings. And if you notice, you know, maybe, just maybe, the two days of non-practice helped his legs. He was fresh. And the other thing you worried about was his assignments. And, And if you watched, when they were blitzing, Boy, he was standing right in there, and he knew exactly where those blitzes were coming from for the most part and were picking him up. So uh, I think what happened on Friday kind of gave this team a lift. You know, okay, we're not going to be without Zeke. We're not going to be without Zeke. And all of a sudden, you know, he comes running into the meetings, and and the spirit in practice I noticed on Friday, which normally is kind of high, 
Cordell can speak to that. It's like the end of the week for the players. This is the last practice, and then we kind of get a day. Uh, but it was a little bit higher than normal on Friday, so I think it kind of gave the spirit a little bit uh, of a boost. So, uh, yeah, they. I don't think they've gotten involved in all that. I think that Jason Garrett has treated it well and has kind of brainwashed these guys. It's like, we're going to practice on Wednesday. You do your job. You focus on your job. Let's not worry about what's happening with Zeke because we can't do anything about that, but we can certainly do have something to do with what we do in practice on Wednesday, what we do in practice on Thursday, and I, I, I really think they bought into that. Give me your take on Des Bryant. I saw him run a, a crossing route yesterday uh, in the game, excuse me, on Sunday, and he, he tried to reach for it above his head, and he came down and, and got hit, and he kind of went to the sideline, looked like he was he was gasping for air just a little bit. Is he okay, or or, or is it something um, we need to be concerned about moving forward? Because he looked like yeah, he wasn't the same after He's got a little bit of that. an ankle and a little bit of a knee going on. Uh, during the week last week uh, in practice, he irritated his knee. Uh, he was limited uh, a day or so. Uh, and then, you know, he, he seemed like he was okay. And then uh, he really came down on that ankle, and I think it's pretty sore. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if, if he doesn't practice uh, on Wednesday. And basically they try to do whatever they can do to get him to the game on Sunday. But uh, I think the ankle probably is a little bit more of a problem. Uh, and I think that's the play you mentioned. I think that's when uh, it sort of happened. Uh, and, and, and he was pretty sore afterwards. So, again, on those things, you know, you, you kind of have to you, you sleep on them, see how they come back the next day. Uh, we'll see how he is today when the guys report to the locker room a little bit later on. And then, uh, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't practice on Wednesday and then kind of give them enough treatment to see how it goes to Sunday. But I think it's at this point I would say he's questionable. Mickey, let's wrap it up. Heading back to defense, we know the Falcons are set to throw the football repeatedly coming up on Sunday. So what's the state of the Cowboys' revamped secondary heading into that matchup coming up in Atlanta? Well, it seems to get better and better once they stop the run up front like they did uh, against Kansas City and then put the pressure on the quarterback they did on Alex Smith. I think that helps out that secondary a whole heck of a lot. Uh, there's a chance they get their second-round draft choice back uh, this week. Chidabe Awuzie, uh, he's been out twice now with a strained hamstring. Uh, he would help out their change-up defense, have another guy uh, that can go in the slot opposite uh, Orlando Skandrick to, to maybe cover the tight end, and they can leave Byron Jones back uh, as, a, as a deeper safety. Uh, we'll see where that one goes. Uh, but uh, I, I just think they're growing, they're playing better, but a lot of that has to do with the amount of pressure suddenly the Cowboys are applying uh, on opposing quarterbacks up front. Uh, and it's not just all Demarcus Lawrence, Tyrone Crawford's playing well on the other end, uh, and they're getting a huge push in the middle from David Irving. Uh, so I think you see when those guys are on the field, along with Sean Lee being on the field, it makes a huge difference. Somebody asked me today, who's the Cowboys' most valuable player at the halfway point? And I said, all I know is when Sean Lee's on the field, they're 5-1, and one, I'll rest my case. And I think the facts speak for themselves. Mickey, as always, we appreciate the insights. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll chat with you next week here on the NFL on TuneIn. Enjoy being with you guys. See ya.
You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Peter King here from the MMQB. The NFL is on TuneIn, and you can hear the home and away call of every game live all season long. Plus, listen to all your favorite shows from NFL Network, like Good Morning Football, Total Access, and NFL Game Day, all on NFL on TuneIn. At home or on the go, Hear the home and away call of every NFL game on TuneIn Premium. TuneIn is your home for the National Football League. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time to provide your fantasy fix with Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked off. Intercepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. Always great to talk fantasy football with an old friend, Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, you and I have been friends long enough that you know I can be delusional. So am I foolish to think that one of these weeks, Amir Abdullah is going to break out for the Lions? Certainly did not do it last night on Monday Night Football. Keep waiting for it, given the heavy workload that he gets on on a week-to-week basis. Here seemed to be a nice prime opportunity given uh, the ball control that they had uh, over the course of this game and then the ineptitude of the, the Green Bay offense that now has to deal without uh, Brian Balaga going forward. But when you're touching the ball as often as he does, another 21 carries last night, you got to think that eventually the, the hole's going to open. But as we know, the uh, Detroit offensive line hasn't exactly been uh, one that we've been putting in the bright lights and shining a, as a, an example of greatness in the league, uh, given, well, Greg Robinson and some of the issues that they've had. Uh, of course, he was deactivated, so they had a little more success uh, yesterday. But waiting for that big play hasn't happened. Only one game uh, over 90 yards on the year. But you know what? You'll take the touchdown and you'll move on. Cleveland up next, perhaps a, a better spot. Mike, T.Y. Hilton has been really hot or ice cold. How do you use him moving forward? Uh, you, you do a lot of prayers. No, in this particular case, you, you knew there was an opportunity against Houston secondary and, and Brissette. Now with uh, Andrew Luck uh, declared done for the season, it's his job, and he's going to audition. So uh, getting the, the ball downfield, uh, a bigger spot. But certainly week to week, it, it's difficult. This was one where you had to have a, a little bit of trust, and I know he was on the bench in a lot of fantasy leagues uh, for this week's matchup against the Texans. So, you know, week to week, I think he's still – a, a, thir- a number three at a minimum, and then you just hope for the big bust-out big player too, because th- those have been few and far between. Most of his efforts have come in three games, San Francisco, Cleveland, and then this past week with his five catches and 175. So there's a lot of duds mixed therein. Uh, so it- it's going to be hit or miss. Uh, perhaps the ultimate um, boomer bust kind of play from a fantasy perspective. Talking fantasy with our pal Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, at least for a couple moments on Sunday, it appeared Cam Newton was Superman again, leaping into the end zone. If we're thinking about his fantasy value moving forward, is it based on matchups or is this like an iceberg taking on the Titanic? <laughs> 
nicely done. I, I had that Titanic uh, reference all queued up. Uh, I was going to give you a couple of bars of Celine Dion while I was at it, but you know what? I'll save my impression for karaoke. Uh, maybe <laughs> Friday night we'll, we'll all meet up and have a good old time. Uh, the one thing with Cam Newton, even if you're not getting big things in the passing game, he's more than making up for it with the number of rushing attempts, 86 yards on nine carries this past time. You're looking at 40 carries over the last four weeks. So whenever you're getting 40, 50 rushing yards, you know, that, that's the equivalent of another 50 passing yards. So while it's not a monstrous game overall, it certainly does help save it. And the rushing touchdowns, giving you six instead of the standard four, uh, makes up for it. On a, on a week-to-week basis, back-end number one is about where I'd put them when you're only averaging 220 passing yards per game and three straight at 211 or less. But we'll see how this offense develops now that they'll, they'll keep pushing forward without Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, obviously, no Greg Olson was surprised to not see Ed Dixon uh, have a bigger role this past week. Uh, but for Cam Newton, it's all about the rushing attempts and, and rushing out, output for him. And if he can continue to do Supermans and give us uh, the, the gifts where they can superimpose him over a basketball court, it's a beautiful thing for all. Let's go down to Atlanta, uh, halfway through, and a big game from Julio. That could have been bigger. Are you predicting a big second half for him, Devontae Freeman, and also Matt Ryan? Right, keep chucking it downfield with with great regularity, right? With Matt Ryan, for fantasy purposes, he's always been big hit or miss, where you have the three touchdown and then follow it with the uh, Alex Smith historical lines of like 220, 1-1. So, uh, we're, we're not necessarily going to push him to the, the front of anything, but for Julio Jones, opportunity there this week against Dallas. We've seen the Seattle secondary banged up, and then at Tampa, or Tampa at home, I should say. So the next three games, looks like he should be able to feast uh, at least with, with some decent numbers along the way before he sees Xavier Rhodes come week 13. Uh, with Mohamed Sanu playing well opposite him, they also have to pick their poison over the top, which which helps a bit. Freeman. Uh, banged up, but you know was able to give up uh, a full workload this past week. So we keep him as in as a top end number two running back, and going forward, we'll we'll see if he progresses and how much Tevin Coleman steals away. Today's fantasy fix being provided by Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, take us back to what you took away from what Marcus Mariota did in a winning effort against the Baltimore Ravens. couple passing touchdowns, but his productivity has diminished on the ground, so tie it together with Mariota getting set to lead the Titans against the Bengals on Sunday. Well, the ceiling is going to be a lot lower for him without the rushing attempts. Only six for 14 yards over the last three weeks. Uh, it goes back to the Cam Newton. If you're not going to get the bonus of 40 or 50 yards rushing or, or a higher uh, amount and perhaps the, the red zone look and, and goal line touch, it's a lot more difficult a proposition because he's only throwing for about 200 yards a game. So, you know, we have the outlier against Indianapolis when he went over 300, but otherwise you're looking at 203, 218, 225, 215. That's about the standard for him, which puts him as a mid number two quarterback most weeks. And this past week was actually only his second multi-touchdown game throwing third of the year because he had the two rushing touchdowns in that debacle against the Texans back at the beginning of October. But for fantasy purposes, right now he's no better than a backup or a starter in two QB leagues. A.J. Green lost his cool in the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars going up against uh, Jalen Ramsey. But if he's suspended, what sort of impact on on the value of Joe Mixon do you think um, there might be? 
Well, he should have been suspended for being a dope and punching a helmet. Whether, whether you think he should have gotten it for the naked chokehold and, and all the wrestling moves and <laughs> MMA moves when everybody gets their popcorn out to watch the 30 for 30 on Ric Flair. I know it's all on your minds. Uh, you know, he, he gets points for that. But for trying to punch a helmet, he's a dope uh, and should have gotten a two-game suspension on principle. Uh, but it certainly helps Joe Mixon if he's not involved. You'll see more uh, funnel through the the rookie running back, as, as we've seen his touch count rise, you know, Giovanni Bernard uh, is not the guy he, he was three, four years ago. So and Jeremy Hill doesn't even get activated at this point. So it, it really flows through Croft and through Joe Mixon going forward. But A.J. Green, certainly it was a tough matchup. We didn't predict greatness. We just thought he'd at least finish the game. Finally, Mike, because you put it on the radar screen for me. Yes, 30 for 30, Nature Boy. We'll all be watching on ESPN. Let's go old school NWA wrestling. What's the better moniker, the enforcer Arn Anderson or Super Brat Tully Blanchard? Well, the Super Brat was always uh, classic because he also had a caterpillar running across his eyes. Uh, so that that always worked. But I, I just like the Letterman jackets that the Andersons ran around with and the, and the big uh, bifocals. I mean, those were some of the biggest glasses you've ever seen on, on guys that were 30 years old but looked like they were 60. It was great. Mike, you're the J.J. Dillon of this program, and you know I mean that as a compliment. Thanks, buddy. I'll, I'll hit the weight so I don't actually have his waistline when it's all said and done. Thanks, but if I Michael. Loquacious Old school Dillon wrestling was, talk. Fantasy analysis. He does it all. Thanks, Mike. Michael Harmon, SwollenGold.com. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.